to X-Rated Movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. Now they talk about movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. I'm the other half, Matthew Fisher. And we're kicking off a whole season of guests today. Guest Fest 2019. With the multi-talented musician... Producer and movie lover Eric Blood. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was shocked, frankly, when I asked if you wanted to come on, and you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty easy. I'm also I'm a listener. So yeah, and that also was shocking. shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell our audience a little about yourself? You can say no. <laughs> no, Google me. <laughs> He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I see you're wearing a Scarecrow uh, video t-shirt there. I am, yeah. yes. Oh, it's really? A, yeah, it's one of these like limited oh. edition shirts that they made that uh, I was in LA. I live in LA. And uh, I called my friend Ben Horak and said, will you please, <laughs> if you have the day off, go to Scarecrow and get me one of these shirts? What do people think of it in Los Angeles? Uh, I don't know what people think of anything in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Good answer. <Yeah. laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah, I used to work there, right? Mm-hmm. I worked there for a year, my last year of school, um, and it was great. It was great. I worked under the original owner, George Latios, right before he sold it to some weird dude who apparently wasn't allowed to have a business or whatever like <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't know the whole story but there's like a interim owner yeah there there was like... some shady stuff there was something weird going on yeah Hot gosh well, I, I have a friend who tried to like make a documentary about scarecrow and like he kind of like filled me in on some stuff but it never got completed but <laughs> Did a bunch of goons come and say <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to take that footage from you <laughs> my favorite scarecrow story is the uh, the courtney love one because she her favorite piece of art is i claudius and so like scarecrow was like the only place in the state that had it like in the late 90s and so she rented it and just like kept it and it had like a deposit down fee and it was like she kept it for like four years but it's like in that four years she got like mega rich and like came back and like paid like all the late fees on it like she <laughs> recognized that she had held it for four years. God, that makes me love her. <laughs> That's so. I also good. love that it was I Claudius. That's hilarious. Because isn't yeah. that like a, that'd be like eight tapes or <laughs> yeah, whatever it was that she had to like rent whatever at the time. That was like, yeah. Oh. That shit's long. I remember when it came to DVD, it was like a five DVD set. Yeah. Oof, so yeah. I remember the the VHS box sets of that that just like took up a shelf. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it you know. Uh, uh, an image from the movie was like pff, yes. <laughs> on the side of all the VHSs, so you had to have them in order. <laughs> for some reason, I'm picturing her like this, holding this this collection for several years, aged her significantly. <laughs> so she came in to turn them in, and she's like, "I must get rid of these." Yeah, <laughs> we should invite her on the podcast. Yeah, she's talking about doing this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we heard you loved this movie, so. Uh, we rented this from Scarecrow. <laughs> like a five episode arc that you yeah, like, we could do a whole season. You're gonna win like a Peabody. Or <laughs> Podcasting has been elevated yeah. to finally. We'll finally win that potty. That we've potty been we've for. been looking for. <laughs> 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 
dive in to the movie <laughs> get to safe territory <laughs> today's movie was chosen by our guest it is the long goodbye by robert altman well i mean he directed it so yeah it's his movie pretty much i i tend to think of anything that he directed to just be his because he notoriously didn't care for scripts and... it's a prairie home <laughs> companion is a robert altman thing <laughs> Let's not talk about Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get too far into it, I want to say like we did a whole season of like quote bad game movies because some of them we really loved. So it's been a while since we've had to like flex this muscle. I was watching this over the weekend and I was just like, wow, it's been a while since we've been down Auteur Alley. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like shake a part of my brain that's been dormant. <laughs> for two months i had trouble with not like remembering that everybody's not gay yeah. <laughs> like, i was like oh yeah that's why they're acting that way they're straight okay yeah. that makes sense <laughs> why is he just doing whatever she says <laughs> but i liked it this is my first time seeing it yeah so, yeah i hadn't seen it in a long time and altman has an aesthetic that isn't the most accessible like when i watched this i don't know 10 plus years ago there's something about like the way especially at the beginning at least that like he mics things where it's like it's a one mic in a room yeah and mm-hmm. it's like the way that you're hearing the dialogue like it wouldn't sound like that based on where the camera's placed mm-hmm. and they'll they'll kind of talk over one another and it can like you know it, it, it can be hard to, to discern the dialogue sometimes because mm-hmm. they're doing that and that aesthetic, even watching it over the weekend, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why like I didn't care for the movie the first time I watched it. The way it sounds, it's almost as if it's dubbed. I think it is. And Like that murder of lesbians was not talking <laughs> from that deck. And I think <laughs> my brain just sort of equates dubbing with like cheap Italian horror movies. But I don't know if that goes away or if I just get used to it. Because like 20, 30 minutes into the movie, this time around, I didn't notice it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I, I even just stopped thinking about it when the movie was over. Out of curiosity, though, when you first watched it, did you watch it like on, you watched a DVD of it? Yeah. And did you watch the Blu-ray of it this time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, audio remastering is a real thing <laughs> that, 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 that yeah. does magical yeah. shit. And, because, yeah, I, I got, like, flashes of it, you know, right at the beginning this time. But, I don't know, by 20, 30 minutes in, like, I realized that I stopped caring or it went away. And I just kind of got sucked in. I mean, also, I don't know why, but this time around, the mystery seems so much more immersive to me. Mm-hmm. I think I must have, like... You grew up. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I must have watched this while doing something else, yeah. like, way back in the day. Or I thought it was going to be more, like, the big sleep. Like, I thought it was going to be more of a taut, noir thriller. Yeah. And it's really not. No, it's pretty it's, a, it's a fucking wacky comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, it's I, it's bleak and and beautiful, but it's funny. It's so funny, and I don't know. I've I see that movie more than any other movie kind of reverberate through the cinema zeitgeist of the last twenty years. I mean, I saw Big Lebowski like that 
you know, the Coens looked at this and like, oh, let's just make it a little funnier. Yeah. And that's that, how the Big Lebowski really was is. born. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then Paul Thomas Anderson, to me, like, he just keeps dipping oh. into that well. Like, uh, Punch Drunk Love, I, I refuse to believe that Adam Sandler is not based on The Long Goodbye's Philip Marlowe. Oh. Blue suit and all. Mm. Like, oh. it's, it's, and there, there's, there's shots of Adam Sandler in the grocery store in Punch Drunk Love oh. that perfectly mirror that amazing opening grocery store scene in The Long <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Where, where, is that Bud Court? <laughs> oh, with the, it, with, the it, with the nasty white boy afro. Mr. Marlowe, the lights in your car are on. He looks just like Bud Court, and Bud Court was in Brewster McCloud, which which Robert Altman also directed before that. Okay, so okay. so it could, they could it's have been possible. friends, <laughs> and it might have been before Harold and Maude or during or whatever. Wow, I don't know. Yeah, this movie was seventy three, seventy two, seventy two. I may be wrong there. Yeah, actually. somewhere in there. Yeah, we're close. Because I looked up, I wanted to see how close this was to Chinatown, mm. and Chinatown was 74, mm-hmm. and this movie predated it by like a, a short amount. Chinatown is hailed as like the you know the great neo-noir masterpiece, but I was like, well, this is the, the one based on a Raymond Chandler novel. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we see this one pop up more in... Because people hated it. Like, I mean, like, like Raymond Chandler nerds hated it. Like they, they were like, you changed the end of the book. Have you read, anybody read the book? I did read the book. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've yeah. read the book as well. I love the book. And he changed it a little bit. I mean, aside from the, the of course, setting it in the 70s instead of the 40s. You know how people are about the shit they like? like yeah. Like, you're not allowed to change that. The, you can't the, have original a girl Star in Wars it. Nerd. I, I was going to say, the, the last person I trust for opinions on comic book movies are comic book nerds. Yeah. Like, the, I just... Yeah, no, you have to think about movies, not not source material. Like. Well, and I think, it's, I think it's good that it's not like the book, because the book is super convoluted. And I mean, this mm. movie is still pretty convoluted, but it's really simplified compared to the book. I remember the book as just being windy windy the book yeah the book is very uh it's his long it's chandler's longest novel i've read all of those books all the the philip marlowe novels and i love them so much but that one is different that's the one that's very different it starts differently it doesn't he doesn't speak the same way that he speaks in the other books it's really weird okay well, apparently this movie is very different from all the other philip marlowe movies too yeah well they're they're usually not funny and like it's, it's, we can agree it's a comedy, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I laughed, but I don't know if it's intended to be a comedy or if it's just intended to be a drama that you also laugh at. Like, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. But, that, but like, like, like life, like how, <laughs> like yeah. it's we're not really. I don't want you to be laughing at the shit that I do, but sometimes I'm fucking funny. <laughs> well, it's like theater majors always say that there's only two genres: musical and non-musical. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> but I kind of feel like that's what's going on here. Like mm-hmm. it's a drama, and like funny shit is happening. But I wouldn't call it a comedy necessarily. Well, all right, I wouldn't say like RoboCop's a comedy, but I laugh while uh, watching it. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's actually yeah. a really good analogy. Like Robert Altman and Paul Verhoeven both <laughs> create their own kind of universe within their cinema. Like there's people talking a, a way that people don't talk there people act a way they don't act oh yeah but it all works mm-hmm. uh what if you like it it all works mm-hmm. or if you're if you're willing to like kind of sink into it then it all works yeah and i mean this was this might have been the first altman film i seen was either this or gosford park mm-hmm. and i remember you know a couple of years ago i watched nashville with some people 
And I don't know how I convinced them all to like sit down and watch this movie with me that I'd never seen before. And it's like the first like 20 minutes naturally you're like, oh God, this movie's two and a half hours. What did I get these people into? But I don't know, like the 40 minute mark, Amazing. it yeah. starts like <laughs> folding in on itself and then you kind of get sucked into it. And the people that I was watching it with, like one person said like, oh, this reminds me of Shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't, like Altman wasn't a name to them. Like they weren't making that connection. Someone else said that it reminded them of Prairie Home Companion. And <laughs> uh, like once again, it was like they didn't know who Robert Altman was. Like they were just making connections with other movies that yeah. they've seen. So it's like he has a style like mm-hmm. that was defined fairly early in his career. Yeah. And like went till basically Prairie Home Companion was his last movie. Yeah, that was his last movie. Like it went all the way to his last film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a well like documented and and copied style. I can't like I watch Paul Thomas Anderson and then I see Robert Altman. I'm like, oh, well, he's just stealing. uh, That's what you're doing. And (laughs) suddenly Magnolia is not as good anymore because you're just stealing someone else's idea. Yeah, I still like it. I had I have a I have a thing for homages. I think mm. I think they tend if I like the what they're homaging, mm-hmm. and if you're not completely inept, then I think I think it's usually pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But I like to like things. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I need to go back and watch some Paul Thomas Anderson now because I've never thought about that before. That he's oh just yeah, off Altman. So. Really, like uh, Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love are when he was really in the Altman hole. I mean, Inherent Vice has a lot of long goodbye. It does. In it. it does. Okay. Although Inherent Vice has problems. There's a, there's no relatability to Inherent Vice. Whereas I love Philip Marlowe in The Long Goodbye. He is an idiot. He is like the dumbest person. But I care for him. Like I, I, I don't want him to fail because I think he's good. I think he's a good person. He's a good uh-huh. friend. He's not a snitch. Yeah. He doesn't ask questions that he doesn't need to ask. He tries to do right by his cat, like, yeah. <laughs> and even his cat is like, "Fuck you!" But yeah. he's and he's he's just so easy to take advantage of. It's this is one of the most like clear cut fool's journey movies I've ever seen, where it's like, here's the fool, and here's here's yeah. him going from being a fool to knowing everything. Well, okay, so you were talking about how you read a lot of Philip Marlowe book, or, or yeah, uh, yeah, the Raymond Chandler Raymond book, Chandler. Raymond Chandler. Is Philip Marlowe a fool the way? No. no, no. In the books, he's kind of just I. He reading it now, he's just a racist drunk. Oh, really? But uh, if you read it through whatever lens you need to, it's he's he's a man. He's a manly man. Mm-hmm. He's broad-shouldered and he smokes and drinks whiskey. I mean, that's like, that's the way that like Humphrey Bogart plays him, and like yeah. Robert Mitchum played exactly. him at some point. Those you know? those are exactly how he's written. Mm-hmm. Elliot Gould. played him how he is like he's a drunk he smokes he's kind of dumb like yeah (laughs) a quick he's not a lothario though which is like the and actually uh he's not in the books either really he's he's not really he's into women but he's not like there's not a lot of sex yeah at least the one i read it's just they're just like your idea of what a hard-boiled detective novel is yeah yeah it's the archetype Yeah, yeah exactly uh, on the quick note of him being a drunk, he goes into that bar and orders a CC and ginger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that's what we're drinking tomorrow, whatever the hell that oh, is. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, Canadian Club and, and yeah, ginger ale. Yeah. And, but then I went to the liquor store and I'm like, like a fifth of Canadian Club's like seven ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we would have been we would have been in bad shape. <laughs> it would probably be a funnier podcast. But... <laughs> but yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. 
I appreciate that you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, I'll just, I'll get some real whiskey and then we'll just drink that. But I thought you were going to find agave. You know, there's an awful lot of people. You say, what do you want to drink? Oh, I want this, I want that. And a twist of lemon. Oh. I love that scene so it's fucking much. Scene, yeah. Like everything Sterling Hayden in it. Like, ah. I love that he brings out the bottle with like a with huge chunk of ice on it. I oh, want yeah. one of those. Yeah. I want that so great. bad. Yeah. That's really cool. How do you get that shit? There's got to be some artisanal light bulb store that sells like ice cube blocks <laughs> yeah. for your vodka bottles or whatever. Yeah. I assume he just like had like a vase or something and put water in it, yeah. stuck the thing and then went in the freezer. Oh, totally. You'd have to totally drink it on outside, right? You, you have to do this on the beach. You, <laughs> you like, have to. Like have it in Malibu. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that must be what it's meant for to like keep your drink cold while you're away yeah. from a freezer or fridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. It's like a it's like a tropical weather deal. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, you you freeze this, you take it to the beach, and then you get to drink cold liquor. Yeah. For, like, for obviously, long. I would not put this bottle, like, on my couch or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was See, genius. Earlier when you guys were talking about, like, just the world that Altman builds, like, mm-hmm. I think that he builds a lot through set design and production design, too. And so it's, like, things like that, like... Uh, Philip Marlowe's apartment building. What is that place? Uh, that exists. That's real. It's that apartment crazy. has been for rent twice since I've been <gasps> aware of it. Stop. Yeah. Is it is it like the singles building here in Seattle though, where it's like twice the market value because a movie was filmed there? I don't think so. I I, I may be totally wrong. I think it's like three grand a month to rent that place and it is a one bedroom uh-huh. but it's fucking beautiful and it does have that view uh, and you have yeah. a private elevator it's crazy yeah and i made my like, pilgrimage oh. to that building <laughs> and was like stood in awe of it it's gorgeous and it's actually it's in hollywood it's like walking right distance from be? places you could drink huh. i mean oh, you don't really want to be there but i would live there for just like a year or whatever though oh i would live nine there months, whatever. i would absolutely live there but i would also like try to move for like young stoner chicks into the yeah <laughs> i taco cat into the there you go <laughs> yeah 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 we were doing a full update of the long goodbye the longer goodbye <laughs> boy they were in their own world those ladies they were fantastic yeah <laughs> i love when they're when they're doing handstands and uh she's trying to remember state capital <laughs> arizona <laughs> See, maybe I was reading too much into this, but like the beginning when it's like him kind of going through his apartment, trying to feed his hungry cat and like it kind of pans and it's like the way that Altman directs it. It's like, it's such a lazy pan to like see the view of LA mm-hmm. and you see that apartment, you know, uh, down the walkway with these, like, you know, was it four, six yeah. women yeah. over there? And he doesn't seem interested in the slightest. Like, maybe he's playing it too cool for school, but he doesn't really seem terribly interested no. in what's going on. Yeah. I just kind of read that. I was like, is Altman trying to paint this guy as, like, acknowledging the excesses of the city? Because it's like the, the, the scantily clad ladies over like the silhouette of LA and I was like is it just painting him as like aware of these things and like he just couldn't give a fuck about it or is it just that Altman was like let's just find the scene as we film and it just happened to be this I mean I always take it as like 
that was this, this little this little nugget to tell you like see he's a stand up guy he does he's not taking advantage of these these dumb women <laughs> he's getting a brownie mix yeah, yeah. He's like, and he gets them the kind they want and mm-hmm. he doesn't charge he's them. sweet he's fucking sweet and he's he's dumb he's kind of dumb and I think that's also what what that scene is telling you is that look how stupid this guy is he's not like ogling these women that are just basically naked and doing yoga yeah. and giggling yeah. and yeah. high as fuck the whole time yeah you know low-hanging can... fruit for some yeah you know yeah no but he's a cool guy or he's a dumb guy like one of, you can pick whichever one you want but I, I i think his like trip to the grocery store to get the the brand of cat food that his cat desires i mean it's sort of justified that he can't disguise it and his mm-hmm. cat like sniffs it out and and finds out something's wrong but i don't know you know being a pet owner i sort of relate to that mm-hmm. like i sympathize with marlo's plight to he's to find the right he's, cat yeah. he's a loyal man he knows what <laughs> he knows what's needed and he goes for it uh yeah. that cat actor though I good good <laughs> cat oh acting God, in this movie cat. have you seen <laughs> no that cat was nominated for some award right <laughs> good cat acting well it's just like the opening scene the cat like jumps around and, like jumps on his stomach like as the camera's like panning or zooming in I, I don't know which but it was like how many times did they do this scene of just having a cat jump around before they decide like this is the right scene but i was like boy they got that cat to jump right where it needed yeah. to um good animal acting in general because there's also that scene when he's in mexico and those dogs the are dog fucking. fucking and then like one <laughs> of them was like get off of me okay that was absolutely just like Oh my God! Their dogs are fucking shoot the dogs, shoot yeah. the dogs, shoot yeah, the dogs, yeah. shoot the dogs, shoot the dogs. <laughs> and then luckily they they snapped at each other. Yeah, but it fits. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's really good. This fucking movie is so good. <laughs> First time I saw it was at home. I was at home this is many many years ago. I was definitely on an Altman kick because I had just watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller and was completely floored by it. And I got along with Brian and thought, "There's no way this is going to be any good. I've never heard of it." And I put it on and fuck. I was completely just enraptured by this movie from the beginning, like from the first few scenes when dude's driving out with the scratches on his face. Right. The same song. There's one song that plays in the movie over and over and over again. All right, we have to talk about that. Yeah. What, how, what do you think about that? Why does he Why does he do that? Well, so he's done that in a bunch of movies. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was like just him being cute. Like, oh, this is what the movie's called. We'll just, like, just John... Hey, John Williams wrote that, by the way. Right, like, yeah, John Williams. He did the score. Uh, just like, hey, do as many different versions of this song, and then that's all that's going to be in the movie. And it may have been, like, a comment on L.A. It may have been a comment on on social anything, but I don't know. I really don't know. For me, it's, like, one of those details in the movie that makes it magical yeah. to me. Because I, I don't understand it. it. I think it's, I think it's a great touch. For for me, I was just thinking like it was um, because this is still technically like a noir, but it's a very different type of noir. Mm-hmm. I think he was like generally when you read noirs, they're all kind of the same story of like a hard boiled detective doing this kind of kind of thing, and that's always kind of a variation on that theme. Mm-hmm. So he was just kind of showing that like this is a variation on that theme. This is my idea of what this could be. Yeah, when he goes into the grocery store in the beginning, and it's like the the elevator music version. I was yep. like, this is amazing. Yep. I love the like Mexican funeral march one of yes. it. <laughs> oh, I like the one they do at the at the Malibu party though, when it's just like the yeah, hippies. And... <laughs> I love it. What's your favorite one? Uh, 
No, I'm boring. I like the like the the jazz ballad version of it that like the, so like the piano player is playing when he goes to that oh, yeah. divey bar at lunchtime. Oh, I love that scene too. <laughs> that bar looks great. We've got by new the way. sandwiches. I keep trying to find that bar. Um, it's like one of the locations I'm having trouble locating. It looks like I would want to hang out in there. I mean, it looks yeah. a little dank, but you know. That's the bar I hang out in LA is very much like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. They the, still have places like that. Yeah. Oh, cool. oh man. do they serve sandwiches? No, and you really don't want to. Eat the sandwiches. <laughs> uh, there's a, but there is an Italian deli next door. I was just noticing the signs, and like this also is in the thrifty mart too, where there's how expensive things were at this time yeah. period in time, where it's seventy eight like, cents for ugh. a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, or... the like uh, macaroni and cheese was twenty five cents, or I think it was on sale mm. for twenty three or something like that, and you're like, oh my god, that's not even that long ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so fucked up. It's crazy. I did. I mean, I also just loved. Uh, the, the decor to go back to that like that house that they filmed at on the beach was apparently Robert Altman's house oh yeah his Malibu house oh the one it's where fabulous. the deck just became the beach yeah, yeah. with all the trees that, and, f- and plants ugh. in there like it's a great house mm-hmm. I would totally Malibu Colony yeah. yeah I've been out there too yeah yeah, I've, I made all these pop pilgrimages because I just I want to see them to see if they <laughs> you, actually. You went exist. to like what? What is? It's like a little uh, like a gated community called like La Malibu or something like that. <laughs> it, it was, that's literally Malibu. Like the, that's the <laughs> oh. Malibu colony. Like oh okay, uh, where the where Mel Gibson and and Whoa. all those fuckers live. Does the security guard do horrible uh, movie impressions as you as you pull in? Hi. Hello there. What can I do for you? I have an appointment with Mrs. Uh, Roger Wade. Now, what's her first name? Eileen. Now, well, what's their address? Jimmy Stewart. Right. Right. Go on in. Thanks. That guy was bad as a, at his job, right? Like, he was uh, just kind of letting anybody in, I felt like. Who wasn't bad at their job, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good Like, point. remember the goon that's supposed to follow him? Yeah, that's good like point. This, that just is like, the, that he was so cute, too. And he's just like, well, I guess I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The goons, I, man. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold is a goon. Schwarzenegger. Uncredited goon. Oh, my gosh. You see him in his underwear. And he's yeah. got that horrible mustache. <laughs> I liked the mustache. It I didn't mind the mustache. So <laughs> I, bad. I, mean, I, I don't want to look at Arnold Schwarzenegger anyway, but, but like the mustache didn't He's detracting this movie. Oh, yeah. my God. No shit. Fresh off <laughs> like, of pumping iron yeah. or something. God. Well, I thought he was big in Commando, but like. That shirt is like busting at the seams. Well, I think if you put him next to Elliot Gould, he's <laughs> yeah, particularly yeah, good point. anybody in that movie though. Like it was all like these little tiny Jewish guys. Yeah. Okay, so this is the scene where he goes to Philip Marlowe's place to collect with the yeah. goons, and then his girlfriend comes in. Oh yeah, for a coke. I mean, I don't want to steal your narrative here. No, I just wanted to bring that up. Okay. Yeah. I... <laughs> I'd forgotten how this scene plays out because, like I said, it's been—I'm going to say 12 years. I, I'm going to—I'm going to just go with 2007 was last time I saw this movie. So she comes in, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm both like, you know, you're trying to balance out just like experience in the film and being analytical. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, girlfriend comes in. This changes the dynamic of what's happening here. I'm like, okay logically they're not going to want to do anything too gruesome in front of the girlfriend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like my analytical brain is working this out. It's like, okay, they're going to say something threatening or they'll do something that, you know, potentially hurts Marlo and frightens her. And like, she, she's the audience proxy here. And like, if she's frightened, then we're frightened. And like, you know, all the, 
the transitive properties of, of her character will reach us. And then he hits her with that fucking Coke bottle. Mm-hmm. And I just, I gasped. I because, did because, not see yeah. it coming. Because you're, you're Marlo. You're, the audience is Marlo. Yeah. You're supposed to be him. I felt blindsided. Like, yeah. that scene took me off guard. I sleep with a lot of girls when I make love to you. Right? The single most important person in my life next to my family. Hey, Pepe? That's right, Marty. It's shocking. It continues to be shocking to me that, that, like, I've watched this movie maybe twice a year for for twenty years. I don't know. Mm. And uh, God damn it! Like, it's just so fucked up. And that following her all the way back to the car while she's screaming and crying, covered in blood, covered in blood is horrible and then it's brilliant filmmaking when they bring her back into the room yeah with the shit on her face oh my god i left the hospital that night and i was uh i was really upset i was what was i haunted what what haunted that's it haunted i was haunted absolutely haunted with the idea that somehow i'd not been fair to her that's brilliant filmmaking. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it, it really zigged when I thought it was gonna zag, mm-hmm. and I know I just like the image of like the glass shattering is like still there for me. Yeah, because I don't. I've seen this movie before, and I just I didn't see it coming, and it just it even like the pacing of it kind of came at a weird point. Like it didn't feel like they built up to it. No, they they built down to it. Like yeah, he he, gets really he looks at her and holds her face and says some really sweet shit to her, very softly and very yeah. slowly. Like I kind of I fucking hits her with a I, bottle. I felt something was going to happen. I was I knew that the tension was building, yeah. but I didn't know what. I wasn't that was not where I thought it was going to go. Oh, see, I was the exact opposite. <clears throat> like I thought he was like, you know, uh, uh, ratcheting things down, like alleviating oh. the tension, like you know, like the the end of like Carrie or something when it's like she's bringing flowers to the grave. Like you think this is the end. And then like a hand comes out. Yeah. Like, this is like, that's what Altman did here for this scene. Like he lulled me into like a sense of safety. And then he like hits me over the face with the glass bottle. He creates this mega villain. It's like, in a, and then it just goes away. Yeah. yeah. He, he gets the money. He gets and the money and he it wins goes away. Resolved. Actually. Yeah. He does win. Yeah, the, the, it's noir. Like, the, uh, only the good get punished. And uh, Philip Marlowe is a good guy. So I still think he's a good guy. Like, everything he did in that movie, I can totally yeah, stand. Yeah. Even so taking his friend across the border. He had a chance to probably sleep with, uh, what's her name? Nina uh, Van Pallant? Uh, uh, yes. Elaine. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. When what's-his-name uh, gets drunk after that party and passes out, and they have that, like, romantic dinner on the patio, it's like, they totally could have boned, like, any time during that. But, but he was so drunk. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was gentlemanly. He was just like, yeah. you know, we're fine. Well, yeah, I, I took a note early on during uh, the scene where Marlo's uh, hauled in to, to jail for a couple days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're taking his fingerprints. A, that scene when he puts his inky hand on the, the two-way mirror mm-hmm. or one-way, whatever it is. And you have that, like, black handprint at, like, where the camera's seen. Things are like, oh, fuck just auteur (laughs) no everything about that whole thing is amazing because there's also the uh like i I guess it's not a deputy but the the 
underlying black officer yeah who's oh, yeah. talking to his boss and his boss is super fucking condescending yeah and once he goes inside he says he's the cutie pie lieutenant you're the smart ass you little hunky bastard i love that altman was still like counterculture-y like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like that scene too because yeah there's he's the guy who's leading marlo back to get the questioning and they go through a room full of like black men waiting to get booked yeah. or something and like the dude that. from the grocery store yeah <laughs> Who is the Sucks. the real hero of the movie? <laughs> right, because he busted the pig that busted his girl. Right, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly, motherfucker, man. Where's uh, his yeah. movie? Well, because when uh, <laughs> oh my Marlo's... god, let's make this movie. <laughs> let's write a comic book about that. Yeah. <laughs> about that incident between the grocery store and then yeah, yeah. a little pre sequel like mm-hmm. a, a Rogue One, a of side Longer yeah, Live. yeah, a Rogue One, yes. <laughs> Perfect. In the Robert Alden universe. Yes. Oh my Extended God. Robert Alden universe. The RACU. Let's do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, well, when, when Marlo's, like, when he's released, like, he's, like, in, like, the holding cell or whatever and, like, with the bunk beds and the dude above him is, like, The you Carradine know, guy? He's, like... Possession is what you get in here, boy. Possession of uh, noses, possession of gonads, possession of life. It's a weird world. But that, that rings true today. That rings like, real it, true it today. No, everything it's, he said was totally legit. And just like what, in Nashville, the guy, the the guy that's that the van that goes around spouting off his like mm, platform. Totally, it's like yeah, no, I'm totally voting for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, one of when he's getting interrogated, like the dude is calling him a fag. Yeah. He's like, I'm a Multiple fag times. too. Yeah. Is that a that sounds like a fag? Uh, fag? Is that what you are? Well, I'm a fag, but I don't know what you need. Anybody but Philip Marlowe has got to be a fag. Sounds like an Exeter Academy fag. I felt like that was just an easy deflection. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think he was just like, yeah, they call me a fag, whatever. I'm a fag too, blah, blah, blah. He was he was basically saying like, oh, you can't bother me with the things that I'm saying. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm tougher than you. Mm, okay. That's how I okay. took it. Okay. But you can't rattle Philip Marlowe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so in, in that scene, I took down a note that Marlo has a disdain for law, mm-hmm. but a respect for order. Well, hello, Mister Fancy Pants. Yeah, because oh, yeah, and, like okay. I've okay. never read any Raymond Chandler novel. All my like, I think I've only seen The Big Sleep. I haven't actually seen any the other like Philip Marlowe things. I'm missing anything? But like, I don't remember getting that impression with The Big Sleep. You know, at least. And maybe it's just more apparent here because, like, we're out of, like, the noir sensibilities. But it's, like, even the way the film climaxes, you know, with, I mean, spoiler alert, he, he he shoots his friend that got him in this mess. <laughs> this is, like, an hour, hour and a half after I took this note down. And it's, like, he shoots his friend because he spent basically the last hour and a half trying to save his friend's ass. Mm-hmm just to find out that it was his friend that got him in this jam to begin with. And like that breaks like order. Like you're supposed to be able to trust your friends. Yes. Yeah. And you can't. And so he put it in order. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've been dead. Now you're dead. In Mm -hmm. like the Philip Marlowe moral (laughs) universe. Like that is the right thing to do. Cause this is someone who betrays their own friends. And like, you know, in the Philip Marlowe universe, like, you know, husbands cheat on wives. Like, that's mm-hmm. the way that it goes. But he kind of respects that. Like, he knows. And wives plot to kill their husbands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, cheating 
like he he understands that it's like a a, a transgression of order yeah. like between husbands and wives like they've made this commitment not to do this but they do and like it's not a legal thing but it's like an order thing yeah so that's like the private the private detective is the keeper of order not law like, yeah like it's you you hire a private detective to find out if someone is fucking you over right. you don't like, hire one to find out if someone broke the law you or yeah. like yeah, robbed like, you or you something. call the fucking cops but yeah. you and they'll be the first to tell detective. you that too yeah you call and, a private detective if you're like, someone's doing me dirty. And yeah, I'm, exactly. I just don't like this. Like, yeah. I want to, can you tell me what's going on? <laughs> and I've wanted to be a private detective because of that. I'm like, yeah. oh, I kind of like this. Like, cause I, I like order. Mm-hmm. I like, I like it when people say what they mean when it, shit goes the way it's supposed to go. Right. Yeah. yeah it, it's like, he's not like pro cheating or lying. In fact, quite the opposite. Yeah. He, like the impression is like everyone should be forthright. Everyone should just say what they mean and get it out there. And the fact that Terry betrayed like a deep trust, mm-hmm. like Marlo used him even never yeah. doubts, never doubts Mm-mm. that Terry's in trouble or that he's dead. He never thinks that he would have killed his wife. He never questions why should I drive you to Tijuana at fucking four yeah. in the morning? Yeah, no. just like okay, no. Let's go. He also did y'all notice. Plays this stupid game where someone just takes your money yeah. from you. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. he had to do was, was start the game and he already won the fucking game. Yeah. That's it's like tic-tac-toe. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm it's the same I go shit. First. It's yeah. Connect Four. It's fucking Connect Four. You really think I believe you got four sevens? Probably think I don't have any. Yeah. Well, then I got to say five sevens. Um, I challenge. Challenge. How many you got? None. None. Yeah, I got three. That's good. That scene is funny to me because it, because everything that we've just said, I fully believe. Like Philip Marlowe is is a believer in order. He's he's also like a staunchly loyal friend, and, right? And would do anything to to like keep shit real. S- social contracts are much more important than any other contract. He willingly plays this fucking game with the money. <laughs> he has to know. <laughs> Right, because or and if he doesn't know, then he's an he's a fool. Yeah, he's a fool. But this is a fool's journey. It's a fool's game. Yeah, yeah no one's. Gonna and he play comes that. out the other end knowing everything. Like we also see Marlo being so clever. Like when he goes to the hospital, mm-hmm. and like he, the money. way that he reads the nurse's reaction to his questions, he's like, okay, oh, he I'm out. not, I'm not pressing for information, but I know that they're not telling me information. And that's not like a usual detective where like they rattle off questions. He's doing like a cold read of how they respond, not what they respond yeah. with. He's figured it out. And then out. he like just walks around the back and just improvises his way into getting all this information that he needs. See, I felt that, yeah, the, the scene at the reception desk was good, but then once he gets around back, he's doing a terrible job because he's just like, anybody, you seen uh, you seen this doctor around? Hey, looking for this doctor. Hey, like... He's he, having fun then to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always read that as like, he's like, Ugh, this is so fucking stupid. Like, it's him being like uh, exasperated. I mean, it gets the doctor to come to also, him, He's I also suppose, like, so. I'm in this place and... Look at this person, and look at this, and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> Henry know. Gibson's weird ass <laughs> run. His run is magnificent. Like I need a gif of that run. <laughs> <laughs> Leaps. And... So wait, was, I didn't look Gibson, it up, but I meant to. The most powerful man in that entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> is the doctor 
from laughing. Yes. Ver- oh, I was gonna say, was he the villain he was in, in the Burbs? Yeah, he oh, was yeah, in Nashville. He, okay, and the Burbs. He's the voice of Wilbur from Charlotte's Web, <gasps> oh. which came out the same year as this. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> Crazy. Gasp. <laughs> He played a villain and uh, some pig. Some <laughs> pig. <laughs> Henry Gibson, man. Yeah. He's great. He's but, amazing in Nashville. And amazing yeah. in Long Goodbye. He's yeah. amazing. When he slaps Sterling Hayden. Oh. oh. Write the check, Roger. What check? Write the check, Roger. What check? Write the check, Roger. Whoa. Hey. Oh. Yeah. And everyone shut up. Yeah. Because the way that Sterling Hayden, who, who's... Uh, I. I love him in basically everything I see, and I think he's really great here, but did remind me a lot of John Houston in Chinatown. And There's parallels that we can't afford to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when he gets slapped, it's mm. such an emasculating moment. And then what? his immediate reaction is to break a bottle off, like, away from him. Not uh-huh. on him, away from him. Yeah. Like, I'm not allowed to fucking hit this Just guy. like... The power imbalance there, you can just see it, like mm-hmm. in, like just in their actions there, and yeah, yeah. The doctor slaps him, and oh, you, it, see, you feel all his energy just fall out after a minute. Yeah, and he's like, okay, oh god, just, it's so gross. His body hangs, and then he goes and like slumps over to write the check. Yeah, and and he kills himself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A couple hours later, but it it just communicates like the power that this doctor has over him. Because even in the the hospital, when Marlowe's like peering in like late at night and seeing things, like Wade, like he's like helpless. Like mm-hmm. he's just like slumped over. He's got poor posture, and the doctor is like running the show, like pulling on the strings, and like I don't know. Then once. Uh, uh, Wade is back in like his own habitat. He seems sort of like a, you know, freewheeling devil may care, like watch out here I come sort of person. But his wife is like running that show. She's just yeah. But I mean, she also has like the big bruise on her face at the beginning, which you're like, okay, like she looks like she's tough, but you know, she she takes it when no one's looking. I, and... So I always think of her as like I I. And we have to remember that she's fucking Terry Lennox. She basically plots to kill her husband and successfully does so. And all of that just seems part of the game. Like this, like the bruise especially was part of the game. I mean, like <laughs> that was for him to see. Yeah, because he's been gone for a week. Yeah. And then she doesn't call him until like maybe the bruise is that she waits darkest color. She waits. Yeah, that's like possible. she waits. Well, she waits until he gets out of jail. She figures it all out so well. I mean, she really wins this entire thing, she's aside sort of from that, her boyfriend being murdered. She is sort of that prison. classic femme fatale, yeah. and even if you go into the movie with, like, the knowledge of, like, noir tropes under your belt, you still don't see it coming. Well, no, and also, how fucking gruesome is it that this couple murdered each other's spouses? Yeah. yeah. Like, like he was like, oh, I just killed my wife, so you want to, like, take care of your dude? Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'll from, meet you in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> y- y'all are nasty, dude. <laughs> and then Philip was like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Did either of you get any kind of read that Marlo might have, like, affection for Terry, other like, more than friendship? No. Because I remember getting that a little more in the book, and I could see somebody getting so upset with his someone that he had feelings for that he would kill him. 
uh, this might be because we're coming off of a whole season game of gay movies, and so I'm like projecting. And you're like, why aren't they fucking yet? Yes. <laughs> I don't. I see Terry Lennox as as Philip Marlowe's only friend. Okay. Only friend. His only friend. Yeah. Really, there's the so guy that cat. he knows who like gives him a ride from the he's, police station. He's friendly with his bartender. Bart- I'm friendly with my fucking bartender. <laughs> like, the, the, actually, this is sad. This is like. I am Philip. I'm Philip Marlowe. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, I'm no. drinking a whiskey right now. I'm Philip Marlowe. Joe is my only friend, and he's gonna leave me apparently for some white bitch. But that's fine. Uh, no, uh, that's his only friend. It's the only friend he has, and he trusts him completely. And that's why the betrayal is so much worse. Yeah. Well, because that's the- why the cat never comes back. His only friend tried to betray him, and he's like, "I'm out of here." The cat, well, the cat was like, "You're a sucker. Man. Like, <laughs> you didn't even get what you were supposed to get." Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of here. And also, what is this shit like? Cottage cheese, an egg. Chaos except just famous concoction. Yeah, I don't know what he puts in there. I'm like, whatever it is, it looks gross. Just throw it out. The, the, yeah, the cat was. Well, <laughs> there was a scene. There's a moment in that scene where the cat like is about to eat it, and then he salts it, and the cat's like. No. Yeah. What's that gonna do? <laughs> what the? What the fuck? What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Uh, I have a cat, so I, when I go home, I'll make some cottage cheese, raw egg, salt, and I'll see if he eats it, and I'll report back. Okay. Do, th- but please wait, do. Don't add the salt first. Like, like okay. I want to yeah. try both. <laughs> I want to know if the salt is the thing. The that thing that turns like, oh, right. no, I, I can't eat that. Fair enough. <laughs> it's weird for me to think because, like, for, for my age bracket. I grew up watching Friends, mm-hmm. and Elliot Gould played uh, uh, oh, yeah. Ross's dad, That's Ross right. and Monica's dad, dad. you know, uh, uh, Mr. Geller, and he's kind of a doofus in Friends. Like that's my first impression of Elliot Gould. So to like go back and like see him in like Mash or Long Goodbye, like there was a period of time when he was like the coolest person ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh my God, he was the coolest. And 69 I think, to like 75. I, we all just like collectively forgot about it. Well, we didn't. Like, like <laughs> some of us didn't. He, Have you guys seen California Split? I'm trying no, not. I I'm really trying hard not to just like no, go make this an Altman episode for you guys because we'll be here for several hours. <laughs> but has uh, got to work tonight. <laughs> watch California Split. It's okay. like a weird secret good Altman movie. Yeah, I've heard of it. As that we one. all know, Altman has the best movies. And the worst movies. Yeah. He has some real stinkers. Oh, yeah. my God. Have you seen A Perfect Couple? <laughs> no. No. Oh, you have to watch it. <laughs> Pretty bad. It's the worst. It's embarrassing. <laughs> have you seen A Wedding? No. Okay. If you get A Perfect Couple, you have to also rent A Wedding. You know, I... Because A Wedding is fucking amazing. And when oh. you watch it, you're going to be like, I can't believe I didn't know about this movie. Mm. I swear to God, you're going to love it. I promise you. You will love this movie. When's that one from? It's like 76, maybe. Okay, okay, okay. It's right in that. Was he just pumping them out in the 70s? He really was. Like one a year? He was the the fucking Quentin Tarantino of the 70s. Like he was the LA, he was the LA Woody Allen. So it was just like, (laughs) make more movies, make more movies, make more movies. And Woody, for whatever reason, like had a better track record. Maybe it was all that child vagina or whatever. But Wow. Sorry, edit that out. Oh, 
Well, first of all, we're going to thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for letting me do this. I always like it when a guest just, like, like lets their hair down, the corsets out. Like, they just, <laughs> they go all for it. <laughs> I can uh, I can do that anytime. At some point, Eric was just like, "I'm I'm showing him who I <laughs> My am." My titties are out right <laughs> yeah. now. He put just for our listener. He By put way, his feet up all... on the couch. He I'm, was oh, like, no, "I'm done." I was like laying down on the couch. <laughs> yeah, my titties are fully out. <laughs> no, I was like, T- "Take your jacket off. Take your shoes off." You're like, "I'm comfortable," and like you sit down, like hands in your lap, back straight, <laughs> and then like my hands are still in my lap. By tw- the way. Twenty minutes in, your like feet are upright, like above your head. <laughs> shoes are we're, off. We're you're telling us to get naked too you're yeah, just like exactly <laughs> are we gonna talk about that i'm keeping that part oh <laughs> so uh no i i always like it when when guests just uh, uh, unveil themselves <laughs> uh the raw the better is what i say you know and you've been very raw so thank you for being us. raw with yes. us thank I, you. I, happy to be so <laughs> Thank you for talking about my favorite movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked a good one. So, hey. yeah, it was great. So next week, I'm having our uh, podcast compatriots from Chicago join us, the Piece of Pie podcast oh, guys. Oh, shoot. Uh, we'll be talking about the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, will we? We will. Okay. Oh, man, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the, the asshole that just, like, yells some shit. Yeah. <laughs> You can uh, just stand out there and we'll open the window yeah. if you want. <laughs> I would do that. Okay. I haven't seen the movie in a good, like, 15 years. So. Yeah, it's been a while for me, I'm too. Excited. But that sounds great. I just remember Jude Law is super attractive and yeah. Matt Damon super attractive and Gwyneth Paltrow is there. <laughs> Every time I hear Matt Damon's name, I think of when uh, uh, Mini Driver said, he's hung like a cashew. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our junk and get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at xratedmovies. Follow us on Facebook, Rated X Movies. Email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast. Leave and us love. We love that. Thank you for being a fan and for coming on. Yeah. Because yeah. we want to have you back because you are a great guest. Did yeah. you ain't gonna get rid Way of to me. kick off. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy that just shows up in the middle of episodes. That's <laughs> fine. Hey! Throwing, Are you talking about something? You're be throwing rocks at the window, being like, "I want in! I want in on this!" I love Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I would love it if we were recording a full episode and like someone comes barging in, we're like, "Who? who is, it's Eric Blood at the door." <laughs> well, well, well. Hey, it's like, like some Letterman shit. Just, I just show up. We'll, we'll, tra- hey. we'll treat you like Pee Wee Herman treated the mailman. Like, yes. oh, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Great. Love it. I'm I'm on board. Okay. Until then, then, keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye. Bye. (laughs)